Hello and welcome to episode seven. What is a man? <laughs> really? <laughs> I hate. <laughs> Welcome to episode 77 of Random Encounter, the RPG fan podcast. I'm your host, Robert Steinman, pale Robbie on the boards, back from hanging out in Drang Lake, playing a lot of Dark Souls 2, and here to talk about it. I am I am exhausted. I, I would am. be too. Introduce me first today. I, I, I've been trying to go back and forth, Derek. No, I want favoritism. Okay, favoritism toward Derek. Sorry, stop. Hi, I'm Derek. I'm Embryon on the boards, and I... Uh, what have I been playing? Uh, quick, I'm on the spot. Um, Ground Zeroes is cool, but not worth $30. Um, Strider's cool, and probably worth the price of admission. Not RPGs, not RPGs! And Towerfall is really cool, and, and I'm getting it all out right now. And uh, I like video games. Uh, moving on, who's our other person that's here today? Some combination of hormones and poor diet. Oh, sorry, I was reading from the South Park game. I'm Steven Myring, Taylor's on the boards. Okay, so we've had a lot of releases in the past few weeks, so we got a little South Park to talk about, uh, Atelier, Aisha, Shaniqua, Chicken It dinner. is not Aisha! <laughs> <laughs> okay, which one is it? It's Atelier Ladasha. Ladasha. <laughs> Ladash ain't silent. <laughs> no, it's, it's Eska and Logi, and I refuse to accept that those are the way that those games are pronounced, and yet they are. Uh, yeah. Okay. And then, of course, I've been playing a lot of Dark Souls. Dark Souls 2, so... Oh my god, it was, it was a bride. I know, right? In my review, people might lose their minds over it. Yeah, your, your review actually just went up, what, today, as of when we're recording? So. Yeah, yeah, it uh, just went up today, and, uh, you know... Your, your review that gave the game a good score and said it was good? Yeah. People I, are going to be upset about? I done did said it was good. Uh, I really you did. You did give it a 99, is that why? No, 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 and, um... We will talk about it, but it just kind of a preview for when we get down the right. I find it very interesting that so many people reviewed that game early without the online component working. Because to me, well, that's... said that, too. Yeah, I mean, everybody said, you know, hey, the online's not working, but I, I actually think the game might have scored better from a lot of uh, different publications if they had had the online component. Because, as I'll mention in a bit... I think that game is built around the online this time, and it's it's kind of a key component of the Dark Souls experience. So, a little preview for what we're going to talk about. But, I guess we're going to go down to South Park, aren't we, Stephen? I actually included that. That was the final That was the final line of my review. And that is a picture of you playing in drag with a wizard hat. <laughs> that is... Sam, he's on No, I haven't seen South Park in... A minute, as the kids say. Oh, Steven, you look really good in drag. Yeah, yeah. Do you look kind of cute? I'm kind of proud of like your you. eyeshadow. I like your eyeshadow, and you match your purse with your um, hair clips. It's really easy to overdo it on the eyeshadow, but somehow Steven pulled it off. Yeah, he had enough I put restraint. A, I, put a lot of ti- I put a lot of time into it. And that's actually a really good segue into that game, because that game is bananas. Like, <laughs> I, I will say right up front, I am not a huge South Park fan. Like, I'm, I'm in the middle. 
I think it's sometimes a little offensive, but I also think that they're pretty wholesale in being offensive towards everything. That is upsetting to some people, and I respect that. Um, but if you hate South Park, just straight up, don't don't play it. Just don't. Like it's it is a great game, but the presence of South Park is pervasive, obviously. And in a good way, it's not a surface level, we took a turn-based RPG and dumped South Park on it. They built a game from the ground up, and it is infused with the spirit of that show in every single aspect of it. Mm-hmm. And the the best part about the game is the pacing, because literally, it's just one insane thing after the other. There's been a lot of, like, you know, people saying, oh, this game took forever to come out, and why is it so short? And, you know, I finished it in 16 and a half hours. And that is not short. That's not short. For an RPG, some people like that short. And I'm like, you know what, though? Some RPGs are too long. Yep. Uh, so, literally in South Park, like, the, the, day, the game's broken up into days. And each day is like, you know, you, you, know you, you go out to play and you start the fantasy thing again. And then at the end of the day, you know, your parents come and you have to go to bed. And the third day, literally, this is a game that starts out funny. It's good. It just keeps getting better and better. The last day is so full of insanity. I was, like, laughing the whole time. And, it, and the best part is, is even though it's insane, it always plays well with the actual gameplay elements, and it's fun. Mm-hmm. Like, like I, I tried to articulate it in the review, and it was difficult, but there's, like, there's this weird, like, meta-narrative where there are the kids playing, and it's the fantasy South Park kids, and, you know, they're swearing at each other and throwing poop at each other, and, like, you're impaling stuff and beating the crap out of children. Business but then there's... Usual. Yeah, and then there's, like, what's happening in the town at large, which is, like, the overarching plot. And they sort of, like, blend together in this really bizarre way. Like, so there's, like, the, the gist of it is that there's this goo that's turning people into Nazi zombies. Dude, dude, dude. No, no. Wait, 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 wait. I, I, okay, it's I don't. The, it's I, in the trailer. Wait, 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 wait. Well, no. I. Oh, man. I might have to mute myself because I, I really don't want to know that much because the thing that I. Not, not trying to derail the conversation, but the thing that I heard so much about was don't let the jokes don't let people spoil the jokes for you. No, but... no, definitely. I'm not going to spoil okay, the jokes because okay, I was about to make okay. that point. Just that's that's like the overarching thing that's happening. And they combine the two plots so well. So there's like this really bizarre like fusion of like these kids are playing and imagining, but there's also real things happening. And it's like you never like the game never distinguishes like one minute, you know, you're fighting somebody and like getting shot at with machine guns and then you're hitting them with like firecrackers and like blowing their heads off and stuff. So, but it's all still in the name of this, like, imaginary stick of truth quest. So it's really just, it's this bizarre, really cool world that's just constantly fun to explore. Like, it's one of those cases where playing the game really is its own reward, even though the gameplay itself is good, collecting items is fun, like, dressing yourself up in absurd costumes is fun. Like, every, I did every side quest, not because I wanted to get stronger, because the game is painfully easy, even on hard mode, but, like... Just because, you like, I never knew what they were going to throw at you next. Like, just so much insanity is, it's just really great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would agree. I would say, even if you're only sort of neutral on the show, you'll probably still enjoy it. Because I am, I, it may be a bigger fan of the show's sense of humor, honestly, because it's so earnest. And I would agree completely. There are some reviews that have spoiled certain things. Not going to name a certain site that is a blog, but also a review site that may or may not have spoiled one of the best jokes in the game. <clears throat> don't, read, don't read the Kotaku review. Uh, but s- seriously, there were moments where like, I had my friend over that had beaten the game before me, and I got to a certain part of the game and just turned around. I was like, there's just no way. And he's like, just keep going. It just keeps getting better. <laughs> like, 
they will constantly one up themselves with just how bizarre they can be. And it's it it's the show's sense of humor with no censoring whatsoever. So there is like just I would recommend you play it. Well yeah. um and like the role playing elements are fun. They've integrated Facebook in a really funny way. Like the game's menu system is Facebook and they use that as like a platform for so many really subtle jokes. Like I don't want to I don't want to give any more away, yeah. but like you'll get like people that spam your Facebook wall and like it's like the most inane stuff, but it's so it's it's incisive because you you've all experienced that. I've been that guy sometimes, not to the extent that this happens, but you know, so it's just it's so thoughtful and just there's like tons and tons of junk items you can pick up and sell. I just hung on to them all. But they all have like a joke in the writing. Even the game's in-game like manual tutorial is like full of jokes. Um it's just it's it's hard to overstate just how charming it is despite, yeah. you know, being kind of vulgar. Very well, I'm glad vulgar. to hear that it's that it's balanced in its presentation of humor. It isn't like haha poop joke, ha poop joke, ha poop joke. It's like you know, they actually have some thoughtful writing, and, and I like I like subtler humor, too. That's why I like shows like Arrested Development and Parks and Recreation, because they're really funny, but they're not like, oh, my God, can you believe he said that thing? And it's more like, wow, that was a really... I really enjoyed the way that she looked at the camera at that moment, or like, you know, oh, I, that was referencing the earlier thing in the episode. Like, that kind of stuff is a lot more funny, and it sounds like South Park is loaded with not only yeah. those ridiculous, like, one-liner kind of jokes, but also a current of humor that runs throughout, like you said, with the Facebook thing. Yeah, and what's especially great is it's not just South Park humor they've got in there. Like, there's a real understanding of, like, the history of RPGs in general and just the kinds of tropes we put up with in lots of things. Like, the the, the, the thing I mentioned to everybody is that when you're walking around town, the song that plays sounds like one of those really cliche, like, there's a Latin choir, like, oh, 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 but it's Cartman saying, like, vulgar things that he thinks sound Latin. <laughs> so it's just so funny and the rest of the music is actually pretty cool too but that's and like you know there's just like there's like for example your guy is a silent protagonist and rather than ignore that they make so many jokes with it and it never gets old and they have a lot of those jokes for some of them, like hi son how you doing and it'll cut like it's the show to your character as if he's going to say something and just stare at him for a second and then the other person will be like uh alright so like they there and there's tons and tons of like little things in there that refer to like just gaming tropes and stuff that are really funny and clever. And uh, so if you're like a kind of person who's neutral or like South Park and you play a lot of games, it's just it's kind of like a love letter to you. That's good. I'll be the first one to admit that uh, several episodes ago I was saying I I honestly thought the game was gonna tank. Yeah, I was I right there was with gonna, you. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was gonna release and just be a hunk of crap and it sounds like it's really good and I'm glad like I, I will never condemn any, any game's success. Like I want games to be good and to succeed. So I'm really happy to hear that it kind of turned around from what it was looking like. Cause what I was saying was, Oh, and I want to know, actually, I was talking about how when they showed that little gameplay demo, I felt like there was a lot of context sensitive mm -hmm. actions mm -hmm. within the battles and stuff. Like, so are there more things like that in the game or was that just kind of a, yeah, I guess we really didn't talk about that much, but, uh, so they didn't just say, hey, Mario and Luigi has you tap the button when you attack. Like, there's all kinds of stuff. Like, I played a wizard, and, like, my set of moves, I got, like, they were all quote-unquote wizard moves. So I had a fireball spell where I took a firecracker and you shoot somebody with it. Like, you point it at them. Like, you used to want to do with a Roman candle. And that's, like, your fire spell. And Maybe that requires you. you to, like, mash the button. You get, like, Crazy. an elect you get a lightning storm spell, which is you splash them with water and drop cables connected to a car battery in them. <laughs> 
And so you have to time it so you hit, like, you know, you hit when it sparks. And then, like, you know, you know you'll get attacked by an enemy that's, like, rabid. And, like, you have to block it or you'll get, you'll get turned rabid. Well, this, the, the status effect is called screwed. But, and uh, the combat is super fun. Like, it's not difficult. Like, it starts out, you, like, it's quickly paced. Like, you can die really fast, but enemies die really fast. And, uh, like, there's all kinds of, like, the battles aren't really scripted. But there's always so much dialogue in the battles that it like it almost feels like they are like the enemies have so many things they'll say. It's constantly hilarious because like, you know, you'll hit some guy and he'll like he'll curse loudly when you hit him. And it sounds immature to laugh at that, but it's pretty hilarious. And like the attacks are all so creative and funny. And like they kind of play into that really weird bizarreness where these kids are playing make believe, but then they're fighting dudes with machine guns who are like shooting them in the face. So it's not. It's, I mean, it's South Park. It's not realistic, but it's it's really fun. And, like, the, the buddies you get, you can have one party member at any time, but you can switch. And each one of them has a power for traversal. Like, Jimmy is the handicapped kid, so his power is that he can get you into locked doors that only handicapped people can use. <laughs> uh, but the, the by far the best character is Butters. He's my favorite character on the show because he's so sweet and innocent that that's actually his trait in the game is in battle. He's a paladin and his description is good hearted. He's so good natured that it attracts people's ire. So they hit him more often. <laughs> and like, like his healing, his special healing move, he pats you on the back and goes, there, there little buddy, you're going to be okay. And that's like his traversal power. So like, if you know, there's somebody blocking a door cause they're hurt or like they're upset, he'll pat them on the back and get them out of the way. So there's like all these really creative uses of things that feel really natural that make it so much fun to play. And just every your party member's special powers are all tied into like jokes from the show. Like there was that episode where Cartman gets the V chip that shocks him when he swears. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So one of Cartman's attacks is like you mash the button and it makes him curse profusely. That was and the he... movie, by the way. That was the oh, oh, it was the movie. Yeah. But yeah, like so you you have to mash the buttons and each button's a different swear word. And so he'll swear and swear and build up power and then like shoot them with a laser beam that's like all these curse words. <laughs> it's just all the moves are so funny. I, can do that. Um, I, just, I just don't call it a magic power. That's yeah, true. Seriously, yeah. we all yeah. kind of have that. Uh, but um, yeah, there's a lot of variety to what you do in the combat. Like expect, like characters don't have a million attacks. Like your guy gets five, everyone else gets three, I think. Three and then they're like their character move. Like, you know, Butters gets his pat on the back and then he gets like the hammer move. He gets Professor Chaos and that sort of thing. Professor Chaos. And so like there's about as much variety to the attacks as you would expect out of a good Mario and Luigi game. And it's, it's not ham-fistedly implemented. And, uh, you know, it matters. Like, you know, you can actually, it's the difference between life or death. Like a character that gets like, there's like a joke move that's supposed to be a play on Omni Slash that attacks you and hits you like five times. And if you block it, it does like a fifth of the damage. And if you don't, it kills you. So like, you know, it's not a difficult game, but it is a game that engages you. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm actually really happy to hear that's awesome. I was right there with Derek. We we had talked about like predictions on the show, and I thought that, that game was going to tank. I, I think that the gameplay demo that they showed, it made it look so scripted that it didn't look fun. You know what that's I mean? Because and that and that's what's crazy is the game does seem scripted because there's like there are sequences where like like that that the gameplay thing they showed where like they go into the basement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you're in control during that entire scene doing stuff while, like, other characters are walking around hitting stuff. Like, there'll be situations where, like, a character's banging on a window, like, hey, let me in, hey, let me in. And so, you know, while you're walking around, if you're quick enough, you can let that character in and they'll, like, drop a bowling ball on an enemy or something and it will knock an enemy out of your way. 
and it but it all seems very organic so it's a it's really cool the way it's done you also get a lot of different traversal powers for your character i won't say what any of them are because they're all hilarious but uh suffice to say they're all true to south park and fun to use in the context of like it's almost like i don't want to say it's like metroidy but like you'll go into a place in town and see like green cracks on a wall or a piece of like a piece of garbage or something and be like oh god what do i do with that and then you'll get a power later on where you're like, oh, I can get in there now. So you'll go back and, like, you'll either find, like, a new side quest or, like, some crazy side character or, like, a unique item. And, again, the items are hilarious. So it really does – it's the kind of game where you just have fun going around looking at stuff because it's also so nuts. Cool. Cool. Now, I'm going to pick it up. I feel like it'll be a, a good palate cleanser after the, the week and a half of hell that I've had. So I, I really want to – um, I really want to play it. Now, you just messaged me in the, the Skype window there, Stephen, that you want to mention glitches? Yes. Uh, so, some people have had a lot of glitches. I didn't. My friend had one glitch where he had to re um, like redo a section because the game like locked up. I had one glitch that caused me to have to restart, like load from a save point, but the game checks autosaves like, constantly, So and you can save for yourself. Yeah, I remember the but, Kotaku uh, review kind of talked about a lot of glitches. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's different on the console version, maybe, but I had one glitch, and it was hilarious. Cartman gets a move where he lights a fart on fire and burns people. And so I did that move, and the animation kept going. The game kept working. I could keep hitting the button for my character. Because whenever you hit the X button, your character blocks. I could keep controlling everything, but the game had just frozen with Cartman standing there with his pants down, farting on the enemy. So it just looked ridiculous, and it took me a minute. I was like, wait, it's locked up? Oh, crap. So... It is. I would say, in my experience, it's the least buggy game Obsidian has ever released, um, and mm-hmm. it felt very tight. Like it didn't feel janky. Cool, cool. Now I I want to play it. I'm 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 always happy to be wrong when I think a game is going to suck. Like so, it it always makes me happy when a game surprises us. And it sounds like this game turned out a lot better than we all thought it was going to be. Well, yeah. let's. Well, we all, other than me, because I was going to say I like it when I'm. Shown to be right. Yes, we know you're always right. You never not, have a problem with I'm, any video game. No, I'm not always right, but I thought this looked good, and I even said it in the last episode, so the listeners can corroborate that. <sighs> I could have been wrong just as easily. You could have, but you weren't. Not in, not, <laughs> not in this case. Not this time. I was wrong. Could have been wrong. Anything else for uh, South Park, the stick of truth that you want people to know about? Nah, go play it. It's fun. Cool. All right, I got a joke for you. What's brown and sticky? A stick. A stick. Yep. It's my favorite joke. It's honest too. It's All right, truth. Derek, tell us about Atelier Thor and Loki, or whatever the hell it's called. <laughs> Thor and Loki. Atelier Ladasha. <laughs> Atelier. Yeah. Never mind. I should stop. Um. Okay. So this is weird. So like, Atelier, as far as I'm aware, I forget. Is it a French word? But it's basically it's a word for workshop, and I think it's the French word for workshop. I could be wrong on that, but. It's weird because in the games, they always just refer to the workshops as workshops. Um, Really brief history of the Atelier or Atelier series is that there are a series of games where the primary uh, gameplay mechanic is like hanging out in a workshop and creating items through alchemy. I know that probably doesn't sound very fun, um, but it's actually pretty entertaining. Like There there are definitely other things to do. Um, The older Atelier slash Atelier games, I'm just going to pick one. I'm just going to say Atelier, and I'm going to go with it for the rest of the episode. Um, the other, the older Atelier games were really, really heavily focused on item creation to the point where, like, there was almost nothing else. Uh, and most of those ones never even came out here. 
like the closest we got to that, I think, was probably Atelier Annie on DS. And those are pretty much just like make island, make sorry, make items, not islands. I'm sure, I'll make I- islands. That'd be cool. Uh, make items. I was thinking of Atelier Annie, which takes place on an island, and you turn them in. Like you just get these requests, and you're usually like rebuilding a town or working for a local government kind of thing, which again sounds awful, but they're very charming and cute. So this one is the latest in the series. Um, and to get back to my earlier point before I get too far away from it, is that in the game they actually call the workshop the Atelier repeatedly, like in the dialogue, and they've always just called it a workshop. So I don't know what made them change their minds as far as the localization goes, but they call it the Atelier. And I'm pretty sure that's not how you pronounce it, but we're going with it, right? So I'll say Atelier as well, just to fit in. But anyway, um, so I've been playing these games for a long time. Um, I first got into the series back with Atelier Iris back on PS2, which is... I think the first Atelier game that came out here in North America. Um, so there are definitely ones that came out before that, that I, I have not gone back and tried to play like uh, import copies or anything like that, just because they're, because they are so they're, they're really hard to penetrate if you don't have, if, if they're not translated, I feel like, um, cause it is nothing but menu navigation for the most part, especially in those older games. But I like this series a lot because I think it's, um, I think they're a really refreshing departure from melodrama that permeates a lot of, typical jrpg stories um because it's not like oh no i'm a brooding hero and i have to save the world but i don't want to because my dad's the villain um they're they're always just like stories of people hanging out in little towns and it's all about the day-to-day interactions between the characters um especially i don't know uh basically that manifests in this game in particular because for the first not for the first time ever for the first time since, which one? I can't even remember. Uh, it's been a while since an Atelier game has had two protagonists. Oh, I guess like, well, Monokamiya 2 had two protagonists. This doesn't matter. I don't know why I'm going into it. But it has two playable protagonists. It has a, a male and a female character, Eska and Laji, which, again, I don't... What they're going for here is the word eschatology refers to, like, the study of the liminal period before the world ends or something uh i could be making that up but i'm pretty sure that's about right but the characters names are eska and laji and the japanese word for and is to so if you read the japanese uh if you just like read the katakana it's like eskatologi or eska eschatology get it it's playing words yeah so you would i'm glad i just want to make sure you're still there rob fell asleep i'm here Uh, i'm here He's probably playing Diablo three. I am not playing Diablo three, actually. <laughs> it's not. It's okay. It's not. It's not that exciting yet. So okay. okay. So anyway, uh, there are Diablo two characters. 3? The the no the my story about this game. <laughs> um, the main difference is they they share the same narrative, but if you play as a girl character Eska, it's more in line with the traditional Atelier titles where most of the events that happen in the game are just little day to day interactions between her and her friends slash adventuring companions like she'll be hanging out in her workshop like you'll just get you'll get a random event like you'll go you'll go out and you'll be in a dungeon and you'll come back and she'll be like man i'm really hungry i'm gonna make some cake so she just like makes some cake and some guy comes in and is like are you slacking off and she's like no i'm just i'm just eating some cake and if that sounds really inane and stupid to you like you probably won't like the flow of this game um, because that's that's what happens. And I, I actually think it's pretty charming because it's not presented in like a really dumb way. Um, it can get kind of anime-y, if you will permit me to make anime an adjective by adding e to it. Um, sure. 
but I, th- I think it's charming. And so the male character, Laji, his thing is supposed to be more like a traditional JRPG and that you're more focused on the overall narrative than the day-to-day. Um, I can't actually corroborate that because I haven't played as Laji yet. And that's pretty bad considering I've had this game for like two weeks. Um, but you can do like a new game plus. So I want to play Eska and then play Laji with new game plus, which you can do and then get the full story. But um, so it's got it's I do like that. That's a new thing that they did. So they're trying to make it appeal to both the longtime fans and to people who may be a little bit not intimidated, but maybe turned off by the structure of, of an Atelier game. But basically this one is so it's it's narratively it's it's very similar to the previous ones. Um, and then, like I said, you're pretty much just making items and stuff. Um, the synthesis system in this has been tweaked, as it always is. Um, it's it's a lot easier than ever, I think, and a lot more streamlined. Basically, you just like you're going out into dungeons or field areas. Um, you fight monsters, and I'll get back to combat in a minute. And then you collect items, and then you take those items back to your workshop, and you make them into other items. And there's like a request system where you're working for this little government branch, and they're like all right, there's a town up north uh, whose water has run dry. So we need you to figure out a way to take care of it. So you have to create, like, I don't know, magic alchemy bottles that create water or something like that, and then you deliver them. And there are lots of tasks like that. Uh, And it it does a really good job of keeping you engaged as far as, like, providing a variety of objectives at any time. The way that they present objectives to you is via a little, almost a license board-esque looking thing, like FF12. Um, you'll take mm-hmm. a task, and then once you task, then the one next to it will reveal itself. They're, they're little tiles. And so you, you can constantly see, like, six or seven of them. So it's always like, okay, well, I need to plan because uh, I, and I know I need to collect magic water, but I also need to fight five death rabbits, and I also need to go to some event in this place. So, like, it's, it's kind of fun to plan out your activities like that. Um so you're pretty much just fulfilling requests. Like, that's the main structure of the game, is that they'll, they'll give you, like, a major quest for each block of the game, like like the magic, the water thing for that town. So, like, that's your main thing, and then you have a certain amount of time to complete that, and then just screw off and do whatever else you want. Um, and screwing off involves making more items, fulfilling more requests, and fighting monsters. I think this is the best combat system the Atelier series has seen so far, Typically, combat hasn't really been the focus of these games, more and more so lately, for sure. Um, like I said, the original games were pretty much just like creating items, and then they had really basic combat systems. Um, we've come a long way, especially since Rorona, which was the first one for PS3, and I thought that had a really awful combat system where you used HP to power your special moves. Like, it was just HP, and that's it. They're, yeah. Now, they're not necessarily related to Monokemia, right? Because I played the first Monokemia on PS2. They are. They are and, like, I remember that game had an awesome combat system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they are actually related. And Monokamia is, um, there's, the way that Gust's numbers, I'm sorry, Gust numbers their games, they always do, like, Project A whatever for Atelier, and the Monokamia games are actually part of that. I forget which number, but, like, you know, they're, like, A11, A12 or something. That's, I have no idea what the numbers are. But they actually are considered part of the Atelier series, even though they have different names. So anyway, like, yeah, so the combat, in that, that's a good observation, by the way. So the combat in this game is really good, um, actually, because it has uh, six members in the battle party, actually. Like, previously you had to, it's just like a traditional JRPG in that you had to pick and choose which three people you liked best. Um, whereas this one has a pretty robust system where you can have six people in the party. So three are active, and then the other three are on the back lines, and you can switch them out. 
by doing you can either just like select switch or um they have a really cool support system where every action you take your you have this little support gauge that raises up and you can either do a support defense or offense move so like if somebody's about to get hit you can have somebody anybody either from the front or back lines like jump in and jump in and help them yeah and like put their body between them and take the blow and it does less damage that way too or you can follow up and attack with a with another character's support move and a cool dynamic to that is like depending on how well you exploit enemy weaknesses like there's a damage counter that goes up as you're unleashing attacks consecutively and if it goes over a certain threshold then you can do like a super super assist or whatever um that's like way more damaging and or has additional effects like uh paralyzes the enemy or poisons or whatever so you actually have to think about like all six of your characters and what order you want to unleash their attacks in based on the enemy's weakness or whatever you're trying to achieve um so I think that's cool, and it's also got, like, the attack animations are actually really good, and, like, Verona was super bad. I keep going back to Verona because it was their first that's, 3D game. Is that the one that we played at E3 on the Vita? That's not the one coming to Vita, is it? Uh, no, that was, I think that was, like, Meruru for Vita. Meruru, uh, that's what it was, I remember, because I kept thinking of Marugamesh. Marugamesh. I don't know why I thought of that, but that's what I thought of. Marugamesh, yeah. So that one, like, Meruru's uh, animations were pretty good, but... This is definitely them at their absolute best. Like the animations are smooth and really flashy, and there's a lot of really cool special attacks. Like if you're if you miss the days of PS1, PS2 RPGs where everybody had like a Nibelung Velesti that they could unleash, um, <laughs> y- you will enjoy this because even the regular special attacks are cool looking. And then everybody has like an ultimate death laser super magic explosion uh, that is very over the top and very amusing slash entertaining to watch. Um, so. So yeah, sorry. I um yeah, I I've been considering trying to get into this series for a while, like because I played way back. I played Iris way back in the day and really liked that. I actually played it with my brother and like because I had never heard of the series at all. And that was not the first one, right? Like they've been around for longer. Oh yeah, they've been around since I don't I don't remember what the first one was. Marie Ellie, uh, like on PS One. Okay, yeah. So they've been around for a while, and I I played Iris and we didn't do anything about it. We liked it. And I haven't touched it, and, like, A, the music is awesome. I guess uh, what, I, what I'm curious about, because, like, I've been like, gosh, I should really try this. Is It's not, like, casual style. Like, there's a lot of complexity to these, I get the impression. It's just yeah. not, like, it's not, like, Final Fantasy-style melodrama involved here. It's, like, I think you described it as, like, a slice-of-life anime. But, like, I guess on, on Logi's side, like, what is, like, the... Is it still sort of lighthearted? Is it like, you know, could you compare it to like, I don't want to say compare it to an anime, but like the tone of like, like the tone, I guess. I'm not, I'm actually not sure because like I said, I haven't played Logi's story actually. Um, But from what I have read, my research, my research concludes that uh, like, again, it's the same narrative. um, So you're actually going through the same story. It's just a little individual event because I can tell there are lots of events where I'm just, Eska and she's like chilling in the workshop doing whatever or she'll go meet up with some other character in the town and they'll chat about I don't know like apple pie or something um so I get the impression that instead of that I'll have Lodgy being like so what do you think is up with those ruins and how are we going to get to them and like you know like what's going on over in central city where all the alchemists live like that kind of thing so it seems it seems almost like this this is going to seem random but like it seems almost like it has the sort of relaxed pace of like a Harvest Moon, which my, what, what, I'm, what I'm getting at is, is it a JRPG I can play when I just want to chill? Like, 
for example, I love the Tales series, and I started playing Excelia again, and it's a ton of fun, but, like, I can't really relax when I'm playing it because it's so complex. I would actually say that. I'd say I've, I have maintained that the Atelier games are, are like, the relaxation RPG. Um, although, because the, the systems in place are complex, like you said, like, item synthesis, you actually have, if you really are trying to make certain items, like, there's a lot of like numbers and adding in ingredients in a certain order and utilizing there's like a ton of abilities like oh you but can it's make like like it's complex but it's relaxing yeah it's like it's not like I, mean, I, I i i'm i'm not articulating it well what i'm trying to say but like it's it's, it's like it's the a difference chill game. With, it's the difference between playing dark souls and playing diablo i don't play dark souls when i want to just kind of sit on the couch and relax for a little bit see that's weird i do <laughs> That explains oh, a lot. No, it really does. <laughs> but, like, you know, Diablo is just, you know, I can sit back. Like, there's a lot of depth to it, like, and there's numbers to crunch and that sort of thing. But, like, I can just kind of chill and play, and that's sort of what I'm... I'm that's I, the I, picture yeah. I'm getting of this series. I get I get the big picture. I get what you're going for in general. So that is that is kind of what this series is like. And I I really... I think my my interest in the series reached its height probably with, like, Totori and Meruru. Um I don't know if it's me or if I'm kind of getting tired. Like, I, I don't think it's bad. Like, I think it's a great game. Uh, I think I, I may be getting a little bit burned out on the formula because we this is the fifth Atelier game on the PS3. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's almost like your yearly sports title at this point. Um, yes, it's better and refined in some ways. Um, Aisha in particular, which was the one before this, actually cut out a fair amount of stuff that I really liked from Totori and Meruru. And I think that this one... Uh, Eska and Lodgy does a good job of re-implementing some of that stuff, but it's still just a little like it's not it's not perfect. Um, I think it's a great game, but uh, obviously, as I've been talking about it, I've enjoyed playing it and everything. Just my progress in it is kind of slow. Like I haven't been sitting down and marathoning it like I did with some of the past games. Um, but I think that this is I think this is a good one to start with. I still think that probably my favorite is either Totori or Meruru. Um, I just think that Totori was the second one, Meruru was the third. I think Totori had the best story and the best, um, I guess, pacing. Um, and Meruru had a really addictive development aspect where, like, you were a princess who was rebuilding her kingdom. So every time you did those request kind of things, like, you would get... There'd be, like, a new fort on the outskirts of town, or there would be, uh, like, a statue of you in the plaza or something. And I really like that addictive kind of development, like, simulation aspect. And this one doesn't really have that. Um, it's It's really just about, like, the item creation fulfilling requests and then going out and exploring dungeons but the combat is fun and uh it's 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 a relaxing game so i, reco- my, I my, recommend it if you want to try my last question is maybe a little more critical but so one thing that i i think gust also made uh what is it arts and elico no 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 nelavar seal the super duper fan servicey one yeah um what is the level of fan service in this because i'm you know, I, I I don't begrudge anyone that appreciates a little fan service, pretty, but it's not yeah. my thing. Is oh, it, it's pretty much is it... not in this one at all. Um, I would actually say there is less fan service in this one than any of them, as far as I can tell. Like I have not encountered any fan servicey stuff yet. And like, so no dialogue, like being like, check out the cans on that one, or just that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, no, <laughs> none of that. No, no, that has existed that... in past games. That's completely valid for that he brought that up. Um, I think like there's a. One of the things that they do in these in these games is they quote unquote reward you by giving you like art stills. They call they call them event CGs, and I have always felt weird about CG because when I think CG, I think like a 3D rendered movie. Um, but they call them event CGs, so they're just like the art stills 
um, illustrated by the artist. Will my phone stop ringing here? Um, <laughs> sorry. I'm so popular. Uh, but so they give you like these art stills and in the past games there have always been a couple that are like they have the characters in kind of provocative poses and it's kind of odd um i haven't seen anything like that in this one at all yet i'm not saying it couldn't exist but these definitely seem like they're a little bit more in control or um like it's it's a little bit more i don't want to say it's restrained like like More it's not, artwork, less fan service. Yeah, there. I and the artwork is amazing. Like if you look at just the the main illustration oh, yeah, of the game, like the box art, it's gorgeous. The uh, and, the the soundtrack has really. Fa- I mean, they all do, but the soundtrack has really fantastic art too. Which I'm not ashamed to admit, the soundtrack and the soundtrack's art were originally what made me consider possibly playing yeah, this one. Like it, it looks really good. Um, this is by far Gus's best looking game. Like if you compare it to Atelier Rorona, I mean, that game looked like butt. It was just gross like weird little chibi super deformed characters that did not look stylistically good at all um they had flat mouths and stuff and like this one has really well animated characters like incredibly vibrant color palette um good facial expressions like i said smooth animations in battle it's it's by far their best looking game like it's it is a joy to look at for sure the environments could use some work but the actual like the character models and the overall design of everything is really nice sweet yeah, so I think that this is a. I think it's a good game um, to get into if you haven't played any of the series yet. I feel like I kind of had similar sentiments about Aisha last year. Uh, I would still recommend if you've never played any of these. I would say probably try like Totary because you'll appreciate how things change from then on. Um, but you could you could also skip Aisha and jump straight into this one if it looks good to you. There, it's worth playing for sure. So I've been enjoying it. It's been kind of a nice change of pace. Like I said, I've been playing. Uh, Lightning uh, Returns, blah, blah, drama, drama, end of the world. Yeah, Lightning Returns was like ultimate drama bomb on my face. And so it's been kind of nice to just relax with this. And uh, I've been playing, like I said, a lot of action games like Ground Zeroes and uh, Strider and stuff. And Strider was pretty easy, but not an RPG. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so it's nice to play a chill game. So I enjoy it and I would recommend it to pe- fans of the series will love it. And people who can deal with the anime aesthetic uh, will like it as well. Cool. Cool. That's right. Rob, it is cool. That's that's the sound of Rob turning his ears back on. You know, I, <laughs> I honestly get that impression a lot of the time, it, and it happens when I'm explaining the game I'm playing. You're always just like, Rup. "All right, zoning out. Time for we, something." We, we conspired that we were going to troll Rob. You guys are just so mean. All right, seriously. But yeah, what game were you guys talking about? Oh my god. <laughs> you know South, what I South, like? South Park, the Escalog. <laughs> South Park, the I thought Thor and Loki was pretty damn good. Oh, I thought it was funny. Also, <laughs> n- not to uh, derail us or anything, but I just found Santa Claus in South Park, and he became my friend. Good oh. on Facebook. Spoiler. Cool. Yeah. Uh, so so do we do this? Is it time for me to bring up the the dark dark armor clad elephant in the room? <laughs> the four hundred pound elephant with a meat cleaver in the room yeah. that's just designed to kill you. Uh, so yeah, I finished Dark Souls 2. Uh, I'm about maybe two-thirds of the way through a New Game Plus run right now at about 55 hours. Um, you know, it took me about 40 hours to beat. And my review is live, and I I think I say this a lot, but maybe it's because just the games I've been playing lately and the games that I review on the site. Oh, uh, real quick, uh, before you get into that, we used to, when we talked about games... We, uh, we structured it in that we would talk about the good and then take the turn and go to the bad. And I think that sort of helped frame our discussion. So, 
<laughs> I'm saying maybe you should start negative and then go positive or start positive and then go negative. But uh, I like the idea of sort of discussing both for balance. Yeah, I think that there's, you know, and, and that's what I was going to bring up is that this is a game that was very hard to talk about because I am so high on it in so many respects. I think that it nails things that were problems in Dark Souls 1 and in Demon Souls, knocks them right the hell out of the park. Uh, I think that it's a much more accessible game, and I mean that as a positive. It explains its systems a lot better. It has a much friendlier opening. You know, it'll still kick your teeth in, but it doesn't leave you to absolutely screw yourself the way Dark Souls 1 did. I think it's a more balanced experience overall. It's it's a fantastic game, and it's probably going to be my game of the year, and I will play 200-some hours of it. That said, I think that there are... A lot of games coming out this year? Well, no, not that. Uh, Not Final Fantasy XV, I'll tell you that much. Uh, (laughs) Believe. Believe. I I think that there are some serious issues with the game that I hope get ironed out. And right now, they are taking away from the experience. And that's why it ended up with an 85, which for me is one step down from Dark Souls. Like, I gave Dark Souls a 90, I gave this game an 85. I think it's a phenomenal game. Let, let, I, I like Steven's idea. Let's start with the positives. First off, the online works. Um, I can't I can't express how happy that made me. The switch to dedicated servers where Dark Souls 1 used peer-to-peer, Dark Souls 2 uses dedicated servers. And it really, really shows. There are more uh, messages from users. They're everywhere. They're all over the environment. The community is in full swing. There are bloodstains everywhere showing where people die. And it's just hilarious when you walk into a room that looks completely innocent and you see 20 bloodstains on the ground. (laughs) And you're you're just like, okay, something bad is going to happen in here. (laughs) Like this is going to get painful or you see an enemy that doesn't look that hard and there's just blood stains all around him. I actually, I, it, Steven kind of, I, I said this to him the other night and he kind of agreed with me. I, I, I think I forget how much people suck at dark souls. Like people really, really suck at these games. And I'm not well, saying that as like, I'm no, the best dark souls no, no, player. No, yeah. ever. Not in like a, you're the best kind of way, but in a, there are a lot of people who like, you know, we're all pretty well informed in games. We've played them a lot. We, you know, we read gaming news. So yeah. like, we, we understand that games demand certain things from you. Like, obviously, playing Atelier Aisha Logi is different than playing Drax Souls 2. Like, it demands a different set of skills. So Drax I think Souls a lot of people too. see, like, Drax Souls? <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of people see it and they go, oh, that looks like Skyrim. I'm going to buy it. It's going to be so easy and I'm going to totally kick butt. And, like, they don't attempt to play the game the way it's meant to be played. Yeah. Like, I, I, I think a lot of people go, the game was so stupid. It just, I kept dying. It's so unbalanced. Yeah, I I see a lot of, like, you'll see phantom players, like, those little, like, brief images of other players, and they're they're all over the place in this game. And everybody's running everywhere, and I am always, like, shield-raised, walking, like, one step at a time, because I know I'm around this corner, and there's going to be somebody waiting for me. I take the time to read the messages, I take the time to touch the bloodstains and see how people died. I play the game, for lack of a better word, the way it's meant to be played. Like NVIDIA. Which, yes. isn't to say, which isn't to say there isn't flexibility in it, but, you know, you cannot play Dark Souls like you play Devil May Cry. Yeah, exactly. You, know, you have to... You, it, and that's the thing is, like... And I think a lot of people who play it a lot will acknowledge is that Dark Souls is not nearly as difficult as the reputation makes it out to be. Sure. It's challenging and demanding, but if you play it carefully, it's not... 
unreasonable. Exactly. Like, and, I see people running into environments where, like, they clearly aggroed, like, four dudes, and four dudes will kill you. Like, one of these guys was hard enough. Yeah, this is four this, of them on you. Is there also, like, like a, a stronger version of four dudes called Five Guys? <laughs> no, but I want to get a burger now. now I want just, a burger. Your arteries get now clogged and you just yes. fall over. Hey, I, I plan on dying by the time I'm 40. You uh, die of delicious. <laughs> So, like, you know, the community aspect of Dark Souls 2 is really there. There are summon signs everywhere. A a lot of reviews were worried about the fact that you have to use an item to become human form. I had 60 of those items when I finished the game. And you become human again by helping out other players if you assist them in their world. It's not working like it should. I think somebody from from software said that when you clear a boss in another person's world helping them, you should turn human right away. Now it's like a 50-50 shot. So I think that there's a little bit of a glitchiness aspect there. But, you know, you should not have a hard time turning human. And the whole thought about, oh, well, your health bar starts to go down as you die over and over again... You get a ring very early in the game that Demon Souls fans will recognize. It's the Ring of Binding. It makes it so that you only have half deterioration of your health bar, so you'll only lose 75% max. The fact is, most enemies in this game can kill you in two hits anyway, so why the hell care? Like, it's not really that big a deal. Um, So, it's not as nasty of an experience as I think a lot of people were worried about. I was very worried about those aspects. Not really a hard part in the game at all. And to me, the best part of Dark Souls 2, uh, saying it to Steven earlier again, that first reveal trailer says everything about this game, where it is you walking through a forest and you know something is going to kill you and you are just paranoid in the best possible way. It's an extremely atmospheric game. It rewards exploration. It's all about going into the maw of hell. And you're going to find some really cool stuff. And you're going to get new weapons, new armor, new new stuff. You're going to meet new challenges. You're going to beat it. And it feels great. And because of the liberal placement of bonfires and allowing you to warp between bonfires in this game, they've cut down on a lot of the BS. You don't repeat areas over and over and over again. There was so much repetition in the past two games. A lot of that has been thrown by the wayside, and you see a lot of really new environments in this game. And that's those are the two biggest compliments I have for this game. The exploration elements are awesome, so you're not repeating yourself over and over again. And the online functionality is just amazing. It is so good. It feels so good to help people and to be helped. You're sitting there on a boss like, there's no way in hell I can beat this guy. Somebody comes into your world wearing with a sword the size of a small, you know, of, of a linebacker. A big, <laughs> a big sword. And like it helps. the size of maybe of a surfboard? So, yeah. Surfboard. And, and just, you're able to wipe out the boss. And then your first inclination after that is to put down your own summon sign and help somebody else. Because you know how hard of a boss fight that was, and now you want to help somebody else. See, I have a question. Yes. So that was easily one of my favorite aspects of the first game. And, you know, the connectivity issues on my on the PC version made it, you know, difficult, if impossible to do that that often, mm-hmm. um, except on Lucky Nights, I guess. But um, my other question for something I don't do as often, invading people's worlds. Huh? I was only invaded once and he jumped off of a cliff. <laughs> so like, so uh, you didn't wait, do any invading did I yourself. Your the one time I played? 
<laughs> no, I didn't do any invasions. I joined the uh, the heralds, uh, the heirs of the sun. So praise the sun and all that. And so I'm all about helping people. I'm not really a big fan of the PvP element in Dark Souls 2. It's not the way I like to play games. I think it's there and people can enjoy it. But I don't get a whole lot out of it. Um, I, I think also because the game is pretty laggy online. It could be my own internet connection, but it isn't. It's not as precise as this kind of game really requires with the, with its uh, sh- sword and shield based combat. So I don't really worry about the PvP component. Um, but it is there, and you can be invaded whenever. Um, but it, it only happened to me one time in forty hours of play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm guessing a lot of people probably aren't ready to invade yet because they're still building their character and figuring out the best ways to be cheap, like with Poison Mist. But Right, and there's also um, there's a new element to the leveling system. Instead of just having soul levels, you also have a thing called soul memory. And this is kind of the biggest controversy over this game right now. I've was actually it? never heard of this. Are you uh, sure? Oh No, it is. The, there's a petition already to get rid of it. I'm not joking. Um, what soul memory does is it keeps track of all of the souls that you've collected even if you lose them. So as you keep collecting souls, your soul memory goes up. That plays into your ability to connect with people in a regular new game of Dark Souls 2. So what that does is that keeps people from getting to soul level 60 and staying there and then just using their souls to upgrade their equipment to monstrous levels so that then they can pwn noobs. You don't have that component anymore. I actually think that's a great change. I think it's a great change too, the community is a little upset about it because apparently the restriction is pretty harsh and it's also interfering with uh, the uh, cooperative play as well. I didn't see that. I had no trouble getting people into my world, so I, I didn't see it as a negative. And apparently they lessen the restriction as you go into New Game Plus. Soul memory becomes less of an issue. But that was not fun. Like When I started a new game of Dark Souls the week before 2 came out, I got invaded at the bell tower gargoyles by a guy that had poison mist and he had a massive claymore and he was clearly like soul level 50, but he had gear that was ridiculous and I couldn't beat him. And I was just like, well, that sucks. Like this guy is just griefing me right now. That that's not fun in dark souls Two, That should not happen with the soul memory thing. But I think that that's something that's going to get worked out. Uh, so I think I've been very positive on the game. Like it, it's still a rad exploration element. The online component is great, and it makes me feel like I'm playing Demon Souls again. That's what made me play Demon Souls as long as I did. Is I loved helping people. I loved taking out the bosses. Uh, I just like saying the boss, the penetrator, whenever I get the chance to. God, that boss was so <laughs> difficult solo. Oh, alone he was like impossible to beat. Like, but you get two people together, you can just destroy oh, yeah it. you no, get two people together someone's dancing around he's hitting one guy and you're dancing on his corpse oh and it feels so good in this game like you know the host player gets nailed with a huge attack and he needs to back off and heal so i jump in there with my shield like come here come here you know get what are away from him. so now that they have those uh, life gems what are the options for healing when you're in somebody else's world because in the first dark souls the only way to be healed when you were in someone else's world was be either through a, if you were invading it was through a non-estus flask like if you use the soul Whereas if you were a cooperative player, the only way to get healed was if the host player drank an Estus Flask. Yeah, you can now drink Estus Flasks and use healing gems when you're helping another player, no problem. Uh, I don't know about the PvP side of it because I never experienced it, but 
yeah, you can heal yourself now all the time, which is a good thing because in Dark Souls 1, it got really obnoxious if the host didn't, you know, chug the Estus flask and I was getting killed because of it. See, I liked that, though. It was sort of this tacit arrangement where they were, you're like, I'm here helping you, but you have to heal me if I get hit. That's true. That's true. Now, um, see, yeah. one thing, I'm a little bummed that you didn't experience more like getting invaded because that was actually like aside from the exploration, that's one of my favorite parts of the first Dark Souls is when people would show up my world and try to kill me and I would smite them. That yeah, always well, happens. You're better at the game than I am. So no, 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 no. I, ah, oh. so like I'm, what I'm, stop trolling me. <laughs> um, but like, you know, you get killed sometimes and it's frustrating, but it's ex- like, that was some of the most exciting times. It's like you put all this time into this system and into the into building this character and like this world is so threatening, but you conquer the challenges of the world. But what's the one thing that is terribly difficult is a player shows up and that's like a true test of your metal. And that's oh, yeah. really exciting to me, like especially in a combat system that I think is as well put together as Dark Souls, which yeah. I think leads us well into one of your complaints. Yeah, um, you know, I've, I've been really positive on the game, but if I'm being completely honest um you know the soul series have always had a level of jank there's always been some glitchiness <clears throat> excuse me i feel like i'm losing my voice over here uh there's always been a level of jank screaming. With, the, with the games uh yeah a little bit of screaming um i think dark souls 2 with their new combat engine they've introduced some new problems uh, the hit detection is not as good as it can be uh there were moments where i really felt like i should have been hitting an enemy and i wasn't and then there are other moments where the enemy was hitting me, and I'm going, uh, I don't really see how that got me. And in a game that requires such p- precision, and where one attack can kill you, it's going to piss you off. And to go along with that, there's also, like, in these games, there are certain enemies that just ignore your attacks. They're just like, okay, whatever, You're, yeah, I'm a giant knight in huge armor. You keep hitting me. I don't care. But you knew that. You knew, okay, I can hit him once, and then I got to roll away. I got to get away from him and, and get my shield up. In this game, I had multiple instances where I would hit an enemy, and they would look like they're stunned, and then I would try to hit him again, and that's when they just started ignoring my attacks. That, to me, is the worst thing in an action video game. It's something that kills a game like uh, Castlevania Lords of Shadow for me. And I just don't want to experience it. it. It really does drive me insane. In Dark Souls 2, it happened a little too often for my taste, where an enemy would just... There's suicide bomber enemies in this game, and if you don't kill them in one shot, they will kill you. And so you can either run straight up to them. It forces you to do something different than the Souls series has always done before, where you would hold back and wait for the enemy to attack you. It forces you to run up and attack them, which is cool. It's a new gameplay mechanic. But if you're relying on that enemy to be stunned by your first hit, and sometimes they just don't get stunned, and it gets you killed, that to me is kind of lame. And there's... Now, because your shield doesn't raise up as fast as it did in the last two games, you're not as safe to hit an enemy and then bring your shield up and absorb a hit. There are some enemies where after you hit them you have to roll away because they will hit you faster than you can get your shield up. There's a question about whether the adaptability stat is supposed to increase your ability to get the shield up faster. Right now it's not doing anything. All it's doing is making it easier for you to chug an Estus flask. And it might be the new resistance stat, a completely useless stat that the community says we're going to abandon this and never put any points into it. 
So from that respect, I think Dark Souls 2 is a little rougher than Dark Souls 1. That said, there's no completely broken section in this game. There's no bed of chaos, like what the hell were they designing? There's no um, <clears throat> archers on top of an Orlando raining death on you and you have to get lucky to beat them. It's a much more fair experience of a game. It's still hard, but it's much more fair. I just think that the combat is a little it's a little shoddier than last time and it's it's frankly unacceptable when you die when you really feel like you didn't do anything wrong. And and it does happen in Dark Souls 2 and I was I was kind of surprised that only one other review had felt that way as I, as I did when I was playing the game, but the community is like furious. There have been videos of like, okay, this guy's attack is clearly 2 feet shorter than where I am, but it's hitting me. At another point in the game, a certain enemy type was hitting me through my shield, even though there's no way they could. Like, mm. they were using regular physical attacks, I have 100% physical reduction, and I was losing health. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, what's going on? And it, it was because I was fighting on an inclined plane, and the engine couldn't handle it very well. So there's... There's also... There's actually another thing that I have heard very few reviews address, but the community has been an outrage about it. And are you ready to talk about that? Uh, which would be? Which would be the graphical quote-unquote downgrade. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it does not look as good as yeah, the It doesn't. The it doesn't. I was looking at some videos and some like just some uh, GIFs on NeoGAF. GIFs? GIFs? Uh, again, I, say, I, I say GIF. I say GIF. I feel, didn't, didn't it come out that it's supposed to be pronounced GIF? Like via the creator? It's, so it's the creator... So the creator said that, but it's one of those cases where once it's out in the world, the authorial intent no longer matters, and now it's up to the, the community. And I Damn, say... Knowledge Boy yes. came out over here. <laughs> That's what's up. That is what's up. Well, I mean, I, I should probably have a better handle on that as well, since I'm a linguistics major. But anyway, so graphical downgrade. That's, that. Oh, I almost said a bad word. That doesn't look good anymore. No, it... The first videos for Dark Souls 2 looked phenomenal. They they had a really, really great lighting engine. And I, I was the first one to say this is too good to be true. And I think it is. Um, it doesn't look as good. There's only one area in the game where I really needed the torch. And it's, it's their Blight Town type level. And it was cool because I needed the torch to be able to see. And the enemies were really built around that mechanic. They've kind of said that it was balancing... Um, I have a feeling that with that lighting engine that their frame rate took a massive dive. I was also surprised no reviews mentioned. The PS3 version of this game does not run very well. It it really doesn't. It never gets down to Blight Town levels of awful, but the frame rate is all over the place. If you, it, It's one of those games where... Uh, um, um, not Steven Totillo. I forget the guy on Giant Bomb. Uh, Patrick Klepek. Patrick Klepek pointed it out like, you can point the camera at the ground and the game will run at 60 frames a second, and then if you point it up, it dips immediately. It's got that, like, open-world thing going on. Yeah. Um, and that, that was... That, little... happens in a, that happens in a lot of games, where I just think that the the assets are just taking up too much processing power, and that probably speaks of, uh, like, you know, non-optimization, I guess. Yeah. The graphical engine. That that happens in FF14, funny enough. Cause we were just talking about that. Cause, uh, See, I think you probably get that in a lot of cases, too, on multi-platform games rather than single-platform yeah. games. Like, I they, think part of it is like, it's like, well, what do we do? We, we can't devote the resources to optimizing it perfectly for both platforms, so they just don't. Yeah, I mean, Demon's Souls 
had horrible slowdown and frame rate dips, but for the most part, it held at a rock solid 30. Dark Souls 2 does not. And combine. Neither, neither did the first one. No, and combine that with the washed out. Like, the colors looked washed out because they're not using that advanced lighting engine anymore. And it's not a bad looking game, and I think the artistry in the levels is still great, but it does not look as good as what they were originally showing off. I think April 25th will be a very interesting date when we get the PC version. PC version. See, okay. So I don't want to be PC Gaming Master Race, but no. I, I want to see what it looks like. Maybe it's going to be downgraded too. I don't yeah, because the impression that I got from, from reading various forum posts and doing research was that like the entire game was downgraded graphically. Like sure. It wasn't just because the, PS, the PC version was going to be better. Like I heard that... Or that was my impression that like all of them got downgraded. But I would be very interested to see if that's not the case because I hear that like even the screenshots on the box are misrepresenting the actual graphical quality of the game. So. Yeah, and I mean, let's see. Let's be... I, I think what it might be is a case like with like they say they're developing Kingdom Hearts and Final Fantasy 15 on PC and then porting it to consoles. I wonder if that's not what they did here. It could be um... because like the PC version I played at E3 looks pretty darn good. Yeah, th- this game does not look as good. And, you know, I-, I don't think we've approached Ubisoft levels of you look at a screenshot for Assassin's Creed 3, and that is not what that game looks like at all. Like, it's not that level, but it was a little disappointing. Um, and the performance is a little lacking. It's really noticeable when you go into a new area, when, like, you warp to another area and you go into your inventory, it takes a second to load. And it kind of mm. got... It, yeah, it... It just feels like the that game's kind of having stuff. a hard time. It feels that like the game's having a hard time. Like that's actually a really big part of. I know that I know we share very differing opinions in Dark Souls, and I completely respect how you guys feel, which is fine. It's just not for me. Like I've tried it a million times. Yeah, but sure. A big part of what of what made me form that opinion of of the game is because that like level of jank and that weird, not that weird like lowish level of polish in terms of a lot of just the like the way, like the engine, I guess you know that it's actual technical proficiency at running like at making the game run smoothly like that wouldn't be an issue if i was really into say the art design or the gameplay but i'm not so like that's sure. a huge turnoff for me yeah so and I, it, I can see why that would be bothersome and and it's here too and you know that the lock-on is still a little temperamental at times the camera I, I had some serious camera issues uh it it can't go through walls so it will get backed up against a wall and give you a really nice uh picture of your shoulder blades and that'll get you killed. So it's like it has all the problems of the old Souls games combined with some new issues with hit detection. It's really weird. Like, Steven, you'll appreciate this. Um, when you attack an enemy, you slightly push them backwards. And you wouldn't think that that's a problem. But after two or three swipes, you push them out of your range. And I think that that was a conscious decision to keep people from just spamming the attack button over and over again to kill an enemy. But you have to get used to it. And, and for the first couple hours, it was really messing me up. Because I was using a longsword, which is a short-range weapon. And I would hit the guy and hit him and hit him. And then suddenly I'm just whiffing air. And then you step forward to attack. You miss them, but they seem to have no problem hitting you. So it's things like that that just... It, it feels a little different, and I had to compensate for it. And I could get over those kind of issues, like pushing enemies out of my range. And I think that that was a conscious decision that they made. But the things that I cannot justify are 
enemies that... It, it, when an enemy goes through a stun animation and can attack me faster than I can get off the next attack or raise my shield, to me that's not fair. Like, it doesn't make sense why this enemy should be stunned right now, but still manage to hit me faster than I can do anything to it, even though I'm the aggressor. It, it's a really weird metagame thing that I hope they fix. And if they fix those aspects of the game, you know, it really is a phenomenal game. It's a phenomenal game already, but it doesn't play quite as well as Dark Souls 1, which is why I gave it the score that I did. Well, that's a very fair evaluation. Yeah, I, I still love balanced. it. Yeah, I, th- I still think it's a great game. I'm going to play the ever-loving crap out of it. Uh, yeah, like this, this point just keeps being echoed, and I like it because I think that we're all trying to maintain this stance. And I feel like I don't want to get like too into, too meta here, too into the whole game journalism having responsibility discussion at the moment. I, I, I will, but not at this moment. But I do I do appreciate that we're able to acknowledge the flaws of things and still appreciate them. Like yeah. that's, yeah. you know, because people see things in black and white. They see they see one, they see a score of one, and they see a score of ten. And it's well, happening right now, like with infamous seconds. I was, I was like, about to say, Rob and I were talking about that earlier. Like, it's getting great review scores, and people are like flaming out because it's getting a seven from somewhere. Yeah, and that's a seven is still a good score. Like, I'm sorry that the the gaming industry has decided that anything below five doesn't exist, but like, people need to understand that it's okay for a thing to not be perfect, but still awesome for it to be lovable or awesome at the same time. Like, yeah, some of my yeah. favorite games are deeply flawed. We have had this discussion several times, so yeah, I'm yeah, glad that you, can, that you can hold that opinion of, of Dark Souls because oh, yeah. I know that because you like you hold Dark Souls really close to you and. It's, it's a series that means a lot to you because you've really enjoyed them and you've put a lot of time into them and, like, it spurred a lot of really interesting discussion in terms of mechanics and design and, like, that's awesome. And the fact that you can be like, yeah, I think it's awesome, but at the same time, like, these are the few things that it did not do perfectly, that speaks a lot of your ability to, to evaluate something. Like, not, you know, it's it's not... Everything is subjective in terms of reviews, but, like, your, your ability to evaluate it fairly, I think, is very respectable. So good no, for you. I- I appreciate that, and it, it was really hard to do, and, you know, I, I was talking with my wife about it while I was, you know, kind of just having that stream. Yeah, I know, I'm married, right? I, that, I almost I almost stopped. I was like, wait, oh, yeah, that happened. That, that did happen. I, like, that's, I was having that stream of consciousness talking with Jackie where I was like, you know, I really, really love this game, and she's like, I can tell you love this game. And I said, well, it's also I love this game because there's nothing else quite like it. You know what I mean? Like, I really like exploration-based games. It's the same reason why, you know, when uh, Dishonored came out, John sent me a a text message saying, you're going to love it. He's like, it's not a perfect game, but this is the kind of game that you love. Like, you love exploration games. You love games that let you go off. At, At one point during Dark Souls 2, like, at the start of the game, you have two distinct areas you can go to. By about the 10, 15 hour mark, I had five different areas to go to. And it was, like, freeing. It was like, oh, I'm going to go here for a little bit. Oh, and then I'm going to go here for a little bit. It really is that first trailer for the game where you're just walking into the unknown. And there aren't a lot of games like that. And that doesn't mean that just because there aren't a lot of games like it, I should then take my review blinders off and give it an insanely high score because it's not like anything else. It's like, you know, The Last of Us, a game that we've talked and debated about up and down. That game has some problems, but I still can acknowledge that it is a phenomenal game. It's like an 8.5 or a 9 on my scale. I I adore that game in a lot of ways. On but the Robter scale. <laughs> on the Robter scale. But there are 
there are parts of that game that I'm like, what the hell is going on here? Like, and they can sully an experience. And to an extent, in Dark Souls 1, I could let some things go. Like, the fact that the Four Kings boss fight is terrible because I could summon somebody in to help me out with that boss fight. This is a little bit more like the regular enemies are now not playing by the same rules all the time. And it can break down the experience a little bit. I still love it, but there are moments where I die playing this game where I'm just like, okay, that, mm, mm, I don't know about that one. And that hadn't happened to me before in Demon Souls or Dark Souls. But, you know, it's still a great game. Again, it's probably going to be my game of the year just because I love this style of game. And I would say that, you know, Derek, I, I said to you before, I don't think it's going to change your mind if you're completely against these kinds of games. No, I'll try it. If you're I'll on the it. fence, though, I think that this is the right. This is the friendliest Souls game. The did, I've a- yeah. I actually heard a great uh, discussion where some guy said, um, I recommend you play all three of these games. Do I recommend you play them in the order they came out? No. no yes. I recommend you play Dark Souls 2, Demon Souls, then Dark Souls. Yes, I, I would 100% because agree. Demon Souls is sort of neutral when it comes to how arcane it is. Two seems to be the most introductory and accessible, and Dark Souls is the one that's just full of arcane systems that do not make themselves readily apparent to the player. Yeah, so everything. having that experience will make it more comprehensible. The items, uh, they did a fantastic translation job. Uh, I think some credit has to go to Epic Name Bro, the guy who does all those like Dark Souls videos. He worked on the strategy guide for the game. He helped them make this game. Things make sense. Like, you can read an item description and you know what it does. You can press the select button and hover over a statistic and see why the statistic is the way it is. Like, oh, wait a minute, why is my lightning damage going up? Oh, my lightning damage is tied into my faith stat. Oh, so if I raise the faith stat, my lightning damage goes up. Cool. There's no BS. There's no, like, you read something and you go, I don't know what the, I I don't know. Like, how are you supposed to know to equip the Abyss Ring? to walk into the Four Kings boss fight. You want to know how you figured it out? Because you read it on a forum after you died. Actually, like, I was I was going to say because you read the four different items that explained the history. Well, st- oh, uh, shut up. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> what I mean is I think that's why I'm torn on the game being more accessible because on the whole, I think that it's better that it's accessible because more people will be able to play it and it's it allows people to get into the strong aspects of the series. But there is something to be said for that strong, uncompromising design philosophy that Dark Souls 1 has because there are situations where, like with the Abyss Ring, if you're reading the lore in the game and paying very close attention, it's made clear that something is needed to get into that that battle, basically. And so you go, okay, I got to equip the Abyss Ring. No, that's not friendly and that's not accessible from a gameplay standpoint. But you run into the argument of, do you design your game uncompromisingly to be a vision of this is arcane? I want you to have to really dig in to get to this. I want you to have to discuss it with people. Or can it be self-contained? And but there are merits to both. And I think I will enjoy two plenty. But I won't deny that it's kind of that I, I do like that sort of really esoteric, obtuse stuff that only by investing yourself into the story of the world and really engaging with it can you progress. Well, you let, should go let, play La Mulana. Well, no, I think Lamelon. <laughs> I, I, I think Lamelon is actually a. Uh, oof, I think that's a terrible game. Uh, I, 
See, and I think it's funny that you think that because it demands a lot of the same kind of input that Dark Souls does. But it it requires you to go onto a message board. I don't think I would have to go onto a message board to beat Dark Souls 1, but it would help me. I don't see how you could figure out half the stuff well, in think, La Mulana. Well, La Mulana is the kind of game that you that you would have devoted a billion hours to as a kid if you had really gotten into it yeah, because it's so like it's so Yeah, La so Mulana <laughs> Yeah, it's not Lamalan is not designed to be accessible, period. It's designed to be like you really do have to like think about it and comb it over. Like try and, every item on every screen kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, and, and I don't think that that kind of experience should be snuffed out. And I, I would disagree there, Rob. I don't think it makes it a bad game. It's a very good game, but if it's not what you're expecting, it can be frustrating That's and not fun. But well, like think of how rewarding it is to someone who spends the 70 hours playing La Mulana and puzzles it out. It's the same kind of satisfaction you and I got out of figuring things out in Dark Souls. Maybe not quite as extreme, but well, the let, satisfaction let me, is there. Let me give you an example. So in Dark Souls 2, without this isn't a story thing. You pick up a an item, and you have no idea what the item is. It's like a fragrant branch of yore. And you're like, what the hell is that? If you go to the item description, it says that it will cure petrification. And then you realize, oh, wait a minute. I saw a couple stone statues that said that they were petrified. And now you know to go with the with that item to cure those people. In Dark Souls 1, you had... I'm trying to think about the more esoteric moments in Dark Souls 1. Like the stuff that you really... Like the... Um, squiggly, or not squiggly, squeaky, or whatever. The no, 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 thing. I was going to say the ghosts in New Londo. Like you have absolutely no idea what to do. There. <laughs> like you have absolutely no clue. When you first get down there, you maybe don't even have the item yet to hit those enemies. And so it's a design philosophy that's the same, but by making one a combat based one, you might not have ever picked up a transient curse. So you don't understand how it even works. And so you never even got one and you don't think you can damage those enemies. I have friends that said that they just ran for those enemies. They said, you can't hurt them. I said, no, a certain item will let you hurt them. But by making it an out of combat thing, it's now more enjoyable, if you get what I'm saying. Like, now there isn't that extra stress level of, like, now it's interfering with how I play the game, and it feels like something's broken. The, the stuff is there. It is definitely there in Dark Souls 2. And it is a great game. It is a great... I could talk about it all day. It is a phenomenal game. I highly recommend it to people. It's just maybe not as well put together. I think if Kyle does another review, he'll probably mention, too... I'm not complaining about the more level-by-level level structure. I think it's actually a good thing because you see a lot more varied environments. Uh, what, I, what I mean is that the levels do not layer upon themselves quite as much as the beginning of Dark Souls 1, where you found shortcuts between areas and that sort of thing. It's not so much like that. The problem is that some of the areas feel very patchwork in design. Like, one of the more dramatic moments in the game, you get into an elevator and a windmill, and you're on, like, a flat territory of land. You go up the elevator, and suddenly you're in, like, a fiery Inferno mountain. And you're like, wait a minute, how the hell did that just happen? Like, there's some of that. Where, But now the last couple levels in the game are phenomenal. The last couple levels are absolutely phenomenal. And they really tie together well. So if you think that maybe at the beginning of the game it's a little muted, the boss fights aren't as intense, trust me, they're saving the best for last at the end of the game. That's a very classic JRPG trope, is to save the craziest stuff for the last. The end. Yep, and they, they really do. And there's some, 
there's some absolutely crazy stuff at the end of the game, and it's pretty awesome. Well, I'd like to try it. You know, yeah. I, give it a shot. I, I think if any it's, game was going to win you over, this would be the one. It's low on my list. But, I mean, I have a oh, billion other things to play. But, yeah, looks cool. Cool. Glad you enjoy it. I'm sure we'll hear more about it as... Uh, so, by the way, they haven't announced any plans for DLC or anything? Uh, there's going to be DLC. At, at the beginning part of the game, it says searching for DL, for downloadable content. Oh, uh, okay. So yeah. it's 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 going to come. Well, they, they've said there's no plans for it, because what it was is in the first Dark Souls, there was no capacity for DLC. So that's why there was that big patch, because it, made, it, it basically patched the game to allow for it to have DLC. And then they yeah. did Artorias in the Abyss. In this situation, I'm sure there will be, because I'm sure there will be demand. But I think this was like a preemptive, like, you know, we don't want to have to patch it in later. Yeah, I, it was really cool. I got the uh, Dark Souls Design Works, which is a phenomenal art book. And the interview at the end is so cool as they go into, like, some of the lore and some of their thought process. Those are some really messed up dudes that made these games. And um, at, at one point, there's, like, the cut content section. And this book was released in Japan before Artorius the Abyss. And Artorius is there. And so this stuff was originally going to be in, in Dark Souls, but they had to cut it. And yeah, so well, that, that's what's cool. And, and I get the impression with this, there's probably not a concrete plan right now for, for DLC. I'm sure they're planning on making some, but I have to imagine it's probably going to be a little ways out. I mean, I, I, I hope that's the case. I don't really, yeah. I'm not really opposed to, like, you know, DLC a month after release. But, you know, with Dark Souls, it was cool because we weren't expecting it. And then all of a sudden, you know, months later, it's like, oh, my God, new Dark Souls. Well, and I think they also, um, it's going to be a cool game to talk about in a couple of months. I mean, Dark Souls 1 had some significant patches to fix some problems. I mean, I've talked time and time again about how the last boss in Dark Souls 1 was just not fun pre-patch. Like, he was just stupid. He was way too hard. They could patch this game and make it go from being, like, a truly excellent game to a masterpiece. They could. And I really hope that a patch came out today... Um, unfortunately it kind of damaged the online a little bit, so, you know, we got to see what they do there. Um, but they could patch this game and make it even better. And so I think it's a game that's going to live and die by the community, by the fact that From Software is going to have to work with a little bit. I think that they can get it up to a really, really high standard. I think they can do it. And a couple of snips and cuts here and there, and I think it'll be an even better game. Good. Yeah, I really liked it. Yeah, because it sounds like most of most of the failings are on like a technical level more so yeah. than a design level. So yeah, yeah, that's always a good place to start. Yeah, design wise, the game is is a blast, and it really it really does feel it feels great to just walk into the unknown. And I really wish more games would let me do that. Like, I, I don't want to say it's a survival horror game, but there there are survival horror elements in this game. Like, I don't know what's coming, and I'm kind of nervous. And why why am I hearing laughing in the background? What is that? Oh oh god oh god oh god I blew oh, up. Oh, like that's the kind of stuff that I really really like about this game. And yeah, I'm a little nervous that From Software might start milking this franchise a little bit. I hope that they take their time. It would not surprise me if the original director, if we suddenly heard that he was making Dark Souls three on next generation, a re- or current gen PlayStation four or Xbox. It really would not surprise me if we suddenly heard about that in like a year. Mm. Dark Souls 3 on new consoles. Well, I have a feeling. It, it could happen. I mean, they. I feel like um, 
the games aren't I don't I don't know if they're like pushing the systems. I mean they they're not the very best looking games, so maybe the I mean I, I, like graphical fidelity wise. So maybe yeah. coming to next gen could help a lot with that. I I don't know if it would be like super dick amazing, but yeah, I mean that 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 could eliminate a lot of those problems in as far as the technical issues. So. Yeah, yeah. I am I'm excited. I want to see, you know, I just I still want this to be a special series cuz this isn't a game I'd want to play every year. Like this, this was a week of my life. Like Jackie was out of town, so I got to. Oh, well, good timing, I guess. Oh my god! Like forty hours in five days. <laughs> I was, yeah, forty hours in five days. You've come up for air. I came yeah. up for it, but but I still want to play more of it, and that's yeah. the really like ultimate sign of how good of a game it is. I want to play it more. That's good. Yeah, I've I've had a couple like the last uh, I'd say March in general has kind of been like that for me with games because I've had I've had like five to six games on my plate at any given time and that's just kind of cool like anytime I have some spare gaming time I just I have a ton of choices and it's like oh this is awesome there's so many good games out yeah I still need to finish Strider uh, I need to finish Sleeping Dogs which I'm liking more than Grand Theft Auto Five yes I said it yeah. I like Sleeping Dogs more than Grand Theft Auto Five. I don't really care about either, but to each It's own. fun! It's a fun game! I tried Sleeping Dogs. I thought it was alright. Just not really for me. Its combat system really opens up. It gets yeah. very Batman. Which it, is it, the only reason why I tried it is because it kind of had some Shenmue vibes for me. But I think that um, uh, Yakuza, the Yakuza games, do the Shenmue-esque thing a little bit better in terms of being I, very I try, Japanese. I want to try the Yakuza games. I'm just intimidated by how many there are. Yakuza yeah. is awesome. Just play Yakuza 4. Or... Just play 4, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just just pick it up and just go for it. Just play yeah. four. I, that's the only one I've played, and I thought it was awesome. I actually think you might not like it, but maybe you will. I, I thought it was the awesome. Demos. I, I think I played the Yakuza three demo, and I liked it. Yeah. But you're right; it does feel very Shenmue. It like, does. Well, yeah, it has like the video. It has like the arcades and hostess clubs yeah. and karaoke. I still want to say karaoke. I think that that whole like, and especially for us being Americans, like it's kind of cool to immerse ourselves in that like cultural aspect. You know, that's, that was one of my favorite things about watching anime as a kid was like, you know, even watching Sailor Moon with my sister. I know I watched Sailor Moon with my sister. Y'all can deal with it. Okay. Like it was cool. This idea of like seeing schools that were going, you know, seeing uh, these characters in school in the summer and that sort of stuff. Like that's a cultural aspect that, I really, it's like when they were talking about making an Evangelion movie in America, and I'm like, well, you know, no. you kind of lose it there. It, it's he, about the culture of Japan. Like, he says to the Japanese linguist and the Japanese graduate student. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> I, I've always wanted to go to Japan, you know. Uh, I, I would agree completely, though. Uh, they were also trying to make, I think they still are making Akira. Uh, they're trying desperately. And they want to set it in, like, San Francisco, and I'm like, you guys realize that Akira is completely based around the Japanese mindset and lifestyle, right? Yeah, you like, also realize that it's a complete allegory for Nagasaki and, and Hiroshima. Like, yep. I mean, that, it like... Like that's that's a that's a demonstration of something that is a misguided project to begin with that I don't actually think will get made. Do you think the new Godzilla looks rad though? Because I think it looks amazing. I think I the new Godzilla looks. I think the new Godzilla looks freaking crazy. Like it it's hitting the horror element because the original Godzilla movie is a horror movie. I think Godzilla is one of the best translations ever. Yeah. The I, name. The name. Gojira, because Gojira is a combination of two animals in Japanese, and Godzilla isn't, strictly speaking, how it should be translated, but it captures a very similar tone to what you would, like, like, we think Godzilla, it's got the word god in it, and then Zilla, so we're like, oh, it's this giant godly monster, like, it's, 
larger than life. It's a Zilla. That's what it like, is. <laughs> I, that's why I think it's such a clever translation because it's not a literal translation, but it's it captures the sentiment. Yeah. Very well. a, like that. Um, Zilla is a bound morphine. The, the the immersion factor in other cultures I think is a really cool aspect of of, J, of JRPGs in general or RPGs in general for that matter like you know Persona is so cool because you're getting to live the life of a yep. Japanese school student like that's just that's awesome and you know that's why setting the original Persona games in America was not as cool you know well just like, just, the, just the first one in that first terrible translation but yeah. they fit they fixed it in the PSP version. I, I just think you know, those, more. those are <laughs> those are cool things that I, I want to see more out of games is like that that immersion level. So maybe I will pick up Yakuza because I'm liking the the sleeping dogs, you know, kind of Hong Kong feeling. I'm I'm liking that. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I thought you were gonna say honk honk feeling. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> honk, honk. I love reading. Honk, honk. Oh my god! I love reading message boards, and I, I'm really not trying to be. I'm really not trying to be that guy that's like, well, you know, actually, but I love reading message board posts about sleeping dogs. They're like, yeah, it really gets the vibe of Tokyo correct. I'm just like, oh my God, Jesus. <laughs> like, you realize they don't, they actually say the name of the location yeah, in the I'm game, Yeah, I'm not right? trying to be pretentious, but please. There's there nothing <laughs> pretentious about not confusing people from different parts of the world. <laughs> that's like, that would be like me looking at you and going, how is Australia? <laughs> Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. All right, Derek, you want to take us into news? Yeah, so I'm glad that we have a lot of good games to play, but as always on the horizon, there are more good games to play. Um, Like tomorrow when I lose my soul. Yeah, man, Infamous is going to be so good. 7 out of 10, not a a great game. Man, shut up. One one seven out of 10 and the internet explodes. All the rest are like 8s and 9s, and people are like, Adam Sessler gave it a 3. How dare they? Adam Sessler gave it a 3. Adam Did Sessler gave Kingdom Hearts a three, so I really, really don't care. I actually yeah. like Adam Sessler a lot. I really like I, No, I actually I like Adam Sessler a lot, too. I just don't agree with his thoughts on games. Yeah, no, that's fair. Yeah. All right, yeah, let, me, let, let me rephrase that. I don't agree with his review thoughts on games. Yeah, yes. I, I think he articulates his reviews very well, though. Like, yes. I, I understand where he's coming from. Except, exactly. the, except the X-Play review of Kingdom Hearts. It made no sense. They criticized things that were dumb. And Did it criticize the camera? Because that is not dumb. <laughs> Yeah, the camera needs. To I don't remember. Probably. I actually, yeah, I would actually agree with you guys completely because I remember he did a review for Bioshock Infinite that was like almost poetic in yeah. his description of the yeah. game, and then I was like, I didn't get that from this game. Like, I, I actually, I, 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 I got this is about as deep as a Transformers film, but it's oh, fun. Th- oh man, I really don't think that's fair. I really enjoyed Bioshock. Infinite. I wouldn't go as far as saying that, Stephen. All right, like, all right, harsh. It, it's not. Have, it's not Transformers level violence. Shit. I have issues. I have issues with the violence and and Bioshock Infinite. Like I recognize it's it's utility as a narrative tool, but I have issues with it. But I don't want to talk about it because it's not an RPG. Yeah, I just it, again, I really need. I keep saying it like week after week. I want to write that editorial about how the opinions of games change, and I I, I love it. I loved Bioshock Infinite. Again, for me, it's a 9 out of 10 on my scale. I really enjoyed it. But for people to say, like, it's a 5, I'm like, really? No, it's a fun shooter. It, well, it is a gotta, really fun shooter. It's I, a fun shooter. It, it's a fun it, shooter fun, with cool set pieces. For me, that makes it about a 7. Like, a 7 a is A 7 I, I can almost deal with. But, like, I think the hyperbole is what... Well, yeah, that's what's that really got... Well, that's the problem when you have... An industry in which a seven is considered a bad score. The only way to get someone's attention, if you don't think the game is good, is to give it an incredibly low score. Like yeah. I reserve anything below a six for games that are fundamentally broken. I agree with that. I remember John and I we, we talked about that very early when I started on 
on the website was like, for me, five or a five or six is like this is a game, and I'm not into it, but it it functions. It, uh, when you start getting below a five, it's like, okay, the game like is glitching out, or like, it's not letting me accomplish tasks, or right. like Dungeons and Dragons Daggerdale is a game that I would say is fundamentally broken. Yeah, like I think my lowest score ever was Lucius, and I gave it a sixty. And it was like, okay, I don't like this game. It is working, but I don't. Th- well, there were issues here and there, but it fundamentally worked. I just don't think it was a good game, at all. Yeah. So, so news. News. Um, Pure Solar HD is a thing that is still coming out. If you're not familiar with Pure Solar, I think we've mentioned it a couple of times on here. Um, it is that uh, RPG for the Sega Genesis that was just created from the ground up uh, a few years ago. I want to say in like. I think the original print... I'm, I, I really should have researched this first. I think the original print was like 2009, 2010. I remember because I, I got it. Um, I actually got this on the second reprinting of it, I believe. And I did review it for the site. Um, that was a, It's actually an interesting tie-in because I thought it was a game that was trying really hard to do a lot of cool things, but ultimately had some serious issues. I think I scored it like a 69. Um, and there were some meltdowns over that because people were like, how could you? They worked so hard in it. And... Like, I don't care how hard they worked on it. What came out sucked. It well, didn't suck. It didn't, it didn't suck. I know what you mean. But yeah, like, looking back, I actually think that maybe I was a little harsh on it. Um, but I, like, I think it's just because I, I felt like it had so much potential and it didn't live up to what it could have. But anyway, Pure Solar is a game for a gaming console. And you can play it with a controller. Now, um, Pure Solar, um, like I said, it was made from the ground up as, like, a brand new Sega Genesis RPG. They printed the cartridge. Rather, they, like, produced the cartridges. They printed the manuals. They made the original clamshell box. Like, it was awesome. Um, the actual game itself did have some issues, but they took to Kickstarter um, back in... Uh, it was last year, so 2013. Or maybe it was the end of 2012. I can't remember. Um, but they took to Kickstarter, and they had a really successful Kickstarter for Pure Solar HD. Um, this is coming out on absolutely everything. It's coming out on PS4, Xbox One, Wii U, PS3, 360, OUYA, PC, Mac, Linux, and Dreamcast. Huh. Um, like, they're actually making a physical Dreamcast disc for this. Oh, and Android as well. So it's on everything. Um, it's coming out later this year. They did have to delay it a little bit, but it's still scheduled for quarter two of this year. Um, a new trailer was released pretty recently, and I think it looks really good. Um, my main issues with the game were, like, combat balance and dungeon design. Uh, it had a lot of dungeons where, like, a switch that you absolutely had to press to to get through the dungeon was hidden behind a pillar. Like, you had to walk around to the backside of a pillar and with just no, know, press A. No indication at all right. that you had to hit something. And it was one of those dungeons that had, like, teleporting platforms and stuff. And I was like, nah, this is not, this is not okay. So there were, there were several <laughs> instances of okay. that. And like, and, like, towns where, towns that were, like, mazes where to get from one end of the town to the other you had to literally walk through houses and like go out people's back doors and take alleyways and stuff just to get to the other end of the town like to get back to the world map kind of thing you had to find a set of keys in the doghouse and use that to get into the apartment that actually sounds like Desiris on uh, Fantasy Star 2 like where you get to the second planet and you literally have to go through like a dungeon to get into a town to get into the spaceport they 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 uh, may well have taken inspiration because, it, you know, like I said, it was made for Genesis. So a lot of their inspiration, or rather all of their inspiration, came from classic Genesis RPGs. So I'm sure a lot of that played into it. But um, uh, Pure Solar HD looks really, really good. They're going with this really cool style where all the characters, like the sprites, are like super crisp but very pixelated sprites. And then all the backgrounds are really high def with cool looking shadows and lighting. 
um, and, and high res art. So it looks great. Like I, I hope that they, because they are adding some extra content to it. So I hope that they've taken the time to adjust the balance a little bit and maybe tweak some of the dungeon design. Cause like some of the standard encounters can just wipe you. And it's really frustrating when you have to go all the way back to town to heal and like healing animations were long and blah, blah, blah. But anyway, I'm, I keep straying from the point because I have pretty strong feelings about this mm-hmm. game. I backed the Kickstarter, so I'm really looking forward to seeing how the final product turns out. Um, but basically, the the news story that I'm trying to get to is just that they put out that new trailer, and it is still scheduled for quarter two of this year. They did have to delay it some. Um, if, if that sounds interesting to you, they are accepting um, applications to beta test the HD version. So you can uh, find the news article on our site or just go to PureSolar. I think it's PureSolar.com. Um, or P- just Google Pure Solar Kickstarter, and you'll find it. So cool game. Um, I hope the, the remake goes well. I'm sure I'll review that as well. So uh, this is kind of a bombshell piece of news. Uh, the Witcher 3 was delayed until next year. <laughs> Cancel next gen. Uh, I'm not even like a super huge fan of The Witcher or anything, but I, I know that a lot of people were looking forward to it, and it looks beautiful. And I know that, I mean, like from everything that I've read um, based on Kyle's coverage of it, I mean, it just looks fantastic. So kind of a bummer. It's been delayed till 2015, um, like February. They're just trying to work really hard to, to make the game what they want it to be so i'm um, it's exactly like steven said at the beginning of the podcast you can uh you can fix a game you know before it goes to press but once it's out if it sucks it sucks forever so I'm except not, in the case of final fantasy 14 but that's the exception that's, not the rule it's the super rare exception it is literally a game reborn so yeah and that's, I'm, I'm all I, i'm not surprised by the delay because i think they're making something hugely ambitious i'm not mad about the delay because I, I think i said earlier that i in a previous podcast i wanted this game to have some space like i did not want it coming out in the middle of call of duty madden you know that sort of season and you know frankly i wouldn't be surprised if this was also a business decision if this was hey we can polish the game up a little bit more and get it ready They'll and, probably add new stuff to it. Yeah, and you're gonna release better. it. You're gonna release it at a time when you know there will be less around it, hopefully, and it can get more word of mouth. I'm totally okay with this. I want that game idea. to be awesome. I, I do really too. do. For everybody involved, and I would like to try it when it does come out. So yeah. All right. So we love us some Zero Escape. So 999 was actually just released on iOS. Uh, I think it came out. It came out three days ago. Um, oh, it's only five bucks, and it's for iOS and iPad. I'm not sure if they're doing an Android version or not, but is it uh, just the visual novel part of the game? Yeah, it's actually it's a visual novel version. So they've taken away all the puzzles, um, but they've added some elements just in the form of like dialogue, like the little character the characters have little dialogue portraits that pop up that show their facial expressions and mm-hmm. stuff. I mean, it has a flow chart just like Virtue's Last Reward, oh, so you can oh actually God. jump around the timeline as need be. Um, like if you get an ending and you want to go back, then you can hop back there so 999 is an incredibly good story um i think it it's kind of sad that they removed the puzzles but if you're just interested in the story you don't want to deal with the puzzles like i absolutely recommend it yep uh for five bucks is a steal for a story that good so absolutely you, and never plus plus then you can go and get virtue's last reward which is right. definitely the superior game yeah. Yeah, I, I had a harder time with the puzzles. They they started to annoy me a little bit by the end of Virtue's Last War, but I think it was also because I was playing that game, like, I was marathoning it. And yeah. it's definitely a game you have to take a break with every once in a while. Well, the story is so gripping, though. Yeah, no, it's it really like, is. I want to know what happens. I want to know what's going to happen. Yeah, you get into a room, you're like, look, I like puzzles and all, but oh my god, what happens? <laughs> Why is she dead? What's going on? Spoiler. Actually, I think almost everybody in that game... Could die. die. Yeah, it dies at one point. So, anyway, 
so that came out. That's cool. Uh, Final Fantasy XIV's next patch, called um, Through the Maelstrom, is coming out on March 27th. That is Woo-hoo. a week from today as of recording. I'm sure it will be out around the time this podcast goes up. We're super stoked because we're huge fans of FF14. We're still playing it. Um, they, uh, our company, the Emerald Shield, just got its house. Whoop, whoop. So our we're house is house awesome. Party. Does it have a hot tub? It does. It, it does. has a hot tub. It does have a hot tub. <laughs> I swear to God, it does. I love you guys. I love you guys. Uh, it's awesome. And, so, and we're actually, our house is going to get a little boost. Uh, as of next patch, it's going to get a little bigger, we've heard. So we're looking forward to that. So yeah, next next patch comes out. Um, the big thing is there's new storyline. Garugamesh. Yep, there's going to be a fight with Gilgamesh. There is a new, there's like an arrangement of battle on the big bridge. Uh, mm. The main thing with the main story is we're going to be fighting Leviathan, hence through the Maelstrom. Um, every patch they're introducing a new primal, which is like the, the, the summons from FF lore. So we're going to be able to fight Leviathan and get some weapons from him, do the new story. A um, bunch of other improvements, like new areas in the Binding Coil of Bahamut, which is like the hardest content in the game. And uh, some new dungeons, a new system where you can, like a vanity system, where you can basically project the appearance of any equipment you have onto another equipment in the same slot, rather another piece of equipment. So if you really, you know, if you really love your black mage hat and you want to have it look like that, but you want to wear the better stats, then you can just project it. So that's cool. That's something that Final Fantasy XI never had, and I always wish it did. So yeah, a bunch of cool additions coming, and it'll be out in a week, so we can't wait. And uh, in case you didn't see it, I did recently write a review of A Realm Awoken, which is patch 2.1, the first major patch that came out after the game was released, and it's on the site. I'm sure one of us will be covering 2.2 in the following months. So It's really F- good. FF14 is amazing. You should probably just play it. Yeah, there, uh, another thing that doesn't get mentioned a lot, but they showed a picture of it, is that the boss of one of the new dungeons is Diablos from Final Fantasy VIII, and his attacks are literally like the gravity ball and like... Oh yeah, like uh, it's that, it's almost that same animation where he pulls the gra- like he puts his hand up in the gravity ball and like and like yanks it down on you. Face. <laughs> that dungeon looks super. It's the ruins of Amdapur, and I actually I hate to make this comparison. I know it makes Derek angry, but that dungeon reminds me so much of an area that you would see in a Dark Souls game, just because of the atmosphere and like the stuff floating around in the air. <laughs> Looks oh. so cool. So what you're saying is Final Fantasy XIV is the Dark Souls of MMOs. <laughs> it's the Dark Souls of Final Fantasy XIVs. You shut your dirty mouth. I think it looks just like the uh, like the toxic jungle in Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind. Ooh, good reference. Yes. Yes. I, I only that, watched it, it that recently. I had it's never seen that before. Amazing. It's my favorite movie of all time. That is I just wrote a uh, midterm paper on it and got 100% on it, not to boast or anything. But there it is, world. I wrote a really good paper about Nazca. We should That's just have an anime thing. podcast where we just talk about old I like anime. Shall will talk about Ninja Scroll and how it was just crazy to watch that as a kid. <laughs> Rob is so going to be my waifu. Oh, my God. Uh, my final piece of news for today we, is... We need really to bring that back at E3. Uh, I guess we could. I don't even know what it means. That's okay. You'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll explain it we, we shall bed together. I don't want to go with the man. If I'm not betting with Liz. Uh, anyway, we recently put out a really massive feature called RPG Fan Music of the Year 2013. Yeah, you should probably yeah. go look at that because we put a lot of work into it, especially Steven. He deserves uh, special applause and uh, commendation for that. He really organized the entire feature and worked really, really hard on getting a lot of that set up. Um, and also big thanks to Mike, who put together amazing-looking uh, navigation pages and graphics and stuff. Um, not to say I didn't do anything, but, like, you know, it was, a, it was a group effort, and we put a lot of work into it. We have a lot of cool features. We got some interviews with some really big composers, like Mas- uh, Masayoshi Soken of FF14. Yeah, and, so all of uh, you guys that love the 14 music, read it. 
Yeah, Shoda Nakama, a video game orchestra who worked on Lightning Returns. Like we got, we had a three-part podcast because it was so freaking massive, where we played music throughout the entire year, um, starring all three of us. Woohoo! Yeah, Rob was on that. So That's basically, if you haven't checked it out, I mean, if you like Random Encounter and you've been hesitant to dip into Rhythm Encounter because you're like, oh, you know, it's another podcast, like I don't know where to start. Just check it out. Check out the Music of the Year episode. There's so much good stuff on there. Not just I'm not just saying that that we did good work. I'm saying that we're playing awesome music on those shows. So you should absolutely check it out. Yeah, and there also we also interviewed Austin Winery. So if you like the music in Journey, the Banner Saga, mm-hmm. uh, Monaco, definitely you know check him out too. Yep, you can still find that on the main sidebar of RPG Fan. Uh, like if you just look on the main page, or if you just go up to features in our top nav bar, you'll see it right there. So please check it out for us. And that is all I have today for news. All right, all right, all right. Uh, I got a couple of nice comments on our iTunes page that I'm looking at right now. So I wanted to take a second and acknowledge people because maybe that'll get more people to give us uh, positive reviews on iTunes, which we always love. Uh, from Leanne Carzile. Sorry if I got that name wrong. Uh, this is oh, that's Caitlin. Oh, that's Caitlin. Oh, is it really? She, yeah, she's oh. Liz's friend. She Well, she's everyone's friend. She yeah, actually... Yeah, she actually lives really close to me. We like we play Final Fantasy with her all the time. Oh, okay. Uh, so a little bit of yeah. Okay, I'm still gonna read it. Uh, this is the first podcast I've ever listened to with any regularity, and it's still my first choice for talk about RPGs. These guys really love the genre, both Western and Japanese, and delve into a lot of the aspects that make it so great. Oh, thank you so much, um, Matt. Thank you, Matt from Michigan. Okay, your core dialogue is great. Game's covered extensive. Format is loose, but gets the job done. I only have one complaint. Give it to me more often. I feel like I could stand at least two shows in the time you put out one. Yeah, that be, sorry. That about would that. mean four a month. Yeah, that would be. You remember when we first started this show? We thought about doing that. God, I, we were I thought dumb. About doing it weekly. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I thought about I, doing it weekly. Honestly, I feel like we could do it weekly. I just worry that sometimes there are weeks where not a whole lot happens. I think it would be too much for me because, like, finding two hours to you know sit down and record this, and then a little bit of time to put it together. But it would just be like, hey, Rob, you still playing Dark Souls? Yep, still playing Dark Souls. Okay, uh, Steven, still playing Final Fantasy fourteen? Yep, still playing Final Fantasy fourteen. Yeah, but I'm gonna be saying that for like years. Yeah, uh, Derek, still playing some game that Rob's never heard of? Yeah, yep. that's typically what happens. Yeah. Uh, Matt did have a question for us. Uh, with all of the Tales games coming out lately, I've found myself wanting to try out the franchise. I'm just not sure where to jump in. What would Tales you guys... Of the Abyss or Tales of Vesperia. So what was that? Tales of the Abyss or... or Tales of Vesperia, I would say. Or Tales of Symphonia HD, because that just came out, but nope. that's an older... I would, I would absolutely not recommend Tales of Symphonia as your first Tales. Uh, it was my first Tales. It, it is more aged than the other ones, but I would pretty staunchly disagree that it's not good. It's not as... Oh, it's good. It's just really aged. Yeah, like, the, the in more recent entries, the they added the ability to, like, free run, like, in the third dimension, so you're not just locked to a 2D plane all the time, and it really changes the dynamic of fights. Yeah. But uh, the, I, 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 Sorry, go ahead. No, it's okay. Finish your recommendation, I'll get mine. Say, I... I Symphonia, in my opinion, has one of the better tale stories and definitely one of the better uh, localizations and voice work. But honestly, I would go with Abyss. Um, it's it's pretty busted on the PS2 version, but it's also one of my probably it's my favorite Tales game. Vesperia, I'm regularly told has like the best cast. I don't agree because I love the the Abyss cast, but those all seem like good entries. I wouldn't recommend Excelia, even though it's out because it's very very. It's fun, the combat's great, but I think you'll agree with me on this, Derek. It feels very lazily put together and rushed. There are a lot of repeated 
spaces, and it doesn't feel quite as inspired as some of the other ones do. Yeah, I like Zillia a lot, but it does have some kind of, like, some sloppy areas. Um, dungeons aren't great in that. I would recommend, if I had to recommend just one, it would probably be uh, Vesperia. But I really like Abyss also. Abyss has my very favorite cast, so I think Steven and I are in agreement on that one. Um, so Vesperia or Abyss, or Zil- even Zillia, but, like, it's not the best put together. So, yeah, yeah like, I, I if think you play- pretty much agree. Yeah, if you play Zillia, don't go into it expecting the best Tales game. It has great combat. It's super fun. The skits are funny. Um, so it's a good Tales game, but the design is maybe a little bit more rushed than some of the other ones. Oh, you know what? He totally just told it. He told us the systems he has, and he does not have a system to play Vesperia on. So he should probably just get Abyss. Abyss is on, Abyss is on 3DS and PS2. The 3DS version yep. looks like butt, but it uh, fixes a lot of the glitches from the PS2 version. Also, he says... P.S. Nino Kuni is awesome, and so is Xenoblade Chronicles, and I heartily agree. Uh, I ble- I agree on the Xenoblade part. That's yeah. Well, that's what that's, I'm saying. That's the part. I didn't want. I didn't want to be a downer on Nino Kuni. Nino Kuni has good parts. No, it's, it's hey, the music's phenomenal. Uh, we got we got kind of a critical review from somebody. Uh, we did. You know, Let's address that. You know, saying we're a little pretentious. Um, you know, I take that very seriously, and I, I apologize for coming off on that. Sometimes I know somebody did point out that I, I have a tendency to. Be a little PC gaming master race sometimes, and I, I can see that. Um, but you know, I, I really, I really hope that we don't come across like that. I think we're really trying to have fun here and really trying to be positive. Yeah, um, that's always the intent. Yeah, I, uh, I, I definitely agree with trying to be positive. Um, you know, on the other hand, you know, and not, I'm not one to pander if I can avoid it. Uh, so, you know, if I have an opinion, that is my opinion. So I wouldn't qualify and say i'm sorry if it comes off as pretentious because if it's what i think it is what i think but on the other hand i appreciate that this person took the time to leave feedback yeah and yeah. you know i it's not that i'm going oh well i don't care what you think because i certainly always try to be mindful of those things but i'm also not going to soften what i think about something if that's what i think yeah i think the i think the one area i personally get maybe a little pretentious about is when i like kind of i kind of bag on things like call of duty or madden and the reason why i do that is because i just don't feel that I don't think it's in gamers' interest to keep buying stuff that they don't like or things that they, they just kind of feel the responsibility to buy. You or know, things I, that they don't support. Right. I think I think you should support with your with your dollars. You know what I mean? Like uh, I'm sitting here, I'm probably going to buy South Park Stick of Truth at 60 bucks because I'm really proud and excited of those guys to be making something that I su- want to support. And, you know, when I bag on Call of Duty, I'm bagging on it because all I hear out of all my students is, yeah, the latest Call of Duty isn't that good. And I'm like, well, then why are you spending money on it? You know, like, hold them to a higher standard. That's... Vote with your dollar. And maybe they'll... I mean, Call of Duty Modern Warfare was freaking incredible. You know what I mean? Because people got tired of the World War II vibe. And so they had to go to the drawing board and do something different. What's wrong I, uh... with that? No, I would agree, and I actually, and I don't mean anything that by this, Derek, but I actually feel similarly about Ground Zeroes. I feel like people should not be buying this and saying, oh, I, I, I don't think it should be this much money, but then they buy it, so why would Konami not continue to do it? That's, yeah. that's a fair perspective to like, have. And again, I don't, I, don't, I don't mean to point at you and be like, how dare you? Because, I mean, if you enjoyed it, you enjoyed it. But that's why I'm, I really want to play it, but I do not want to encourage them to do this again. I think yep, that's fair. That's, that's fair. Yep. I mean, I bought it, and uh, I mean, what does that say about me as a consumer? It means that that's something that I wanted enough to spend that money, much money on. But at the same time, like, yeah, you're right that I, 
that they they're gonna get the impression that that's okay to keep releasing things like that at that price. Um, so I don't know. Like I'm conflicted on it. I I don't have a perfect answer for you on that one. I bought it because I wanted to play the game. That's my answer. Well, and the, and you know what? On the other hand, though, if enough people are going to buy it and play it, that means they do want it. That yeah. so, you know. Well, we got a couple other nice comments. So I'll just zip through real fast. Uh, da Vinci Man says, Yahtzee, best RPG podcast out there. Keep it Woo-hoo. up, lads. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Uh, Emon Zane. I can't do that. Derek, help me on. Emon Zane Is that a Final uh, Fantasy name? It looks like <laughs> Emon Zymons. He's Emon Zymons, I think. Yeah, uh, fun, comprehensive, almost relatable RPGs like a mofo. <laughs> they update about twice a month and give me a great rundown of RPGs. News and personal experiences with role-playing games that can be, that cannot be replaced. Great cast of individuals uh, who express their love for the genre and let me join in their conversations. Always fun. And then, of course, Elmer Fudd gives us oh, a... thanks, great... Elmer. Yep, thank you, Elmer. Uh, Wabbits. Uh, great, informative. The cast has r- good chemistry and no dead air. Thank you very much. We really appreciate that. It honestly, I love it, I love it when great. people tell me I'm not dead air. Even though there's only there's only dead air when I finish talking about my game and Rob is like, huh? Well, no, it's what? I have to unmute myself. Sorry, sorry, I was sorry, I was getting legendaries in Debo. Yeah, sorry, bro. Sorry. And De- Stephen, will you please replace the damn the battery in alarm, alarm. alarm that's been going off all podcast? Look, I need it there so that way I know to replace the battery later, so it doesn't burn my house down. I can't just okay. take it out now. All right, all right, all right, all right. Well, thank you everybody for listening to the show. Uh, I guess we're gonna have some Diablo Reaper Souls to talk about pretty soon. I need to play that so I can get in on that. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Uh, Thank you very much, everybody, for listening to the show, and we will see you all next time.